Welcome to Between Two Palms, a new podcast about art, ideas, and making things. I'm Evelyn Lassery, co-owner of Two Palms in New York, where we're celebrating 25 years of collaboration with some of the world's top contemporary artists. For the first episode of Between Two Palms, we're hosting Carol Dunham in conversation with Dana Schutz on the occasion of Schutz's first suite of large-scale etchings recently released by Two Palms. Writing in The New Yorker, Peter Sheldahl says, Dana creates allegories of uncertain but torrid, gnashing implication, a bit like the enigmatic narratives of the German modern master Max Beckmann, but less solemn. She does this with almost preposterously extraordinary gifts for composition, paint handling, and in particular, color. Carol Dunham is considered one of the most important painters of his generation. He has also been a prolific and ingenious printmaker for nearly 40 years. Please join us in welcoming Dana Schutz and Carol Dunham. I'm Carol Dunham, and I'm here at Two Palms with Dana Schutz. We're here to talk about her recent publication of group of etchings and her exhibition at Friedrich Petzl Gallery. Well, since we're sitting here at Two Palms, I wanted to start by asking you about this group of etchings that you recently made here. Uh, It's a pretty impressive undertaking. It's 10 quite large etchings. How much did you understand what you were going to be doing before you started? Not much. I mean, I knew maybe the idea for a subject for each one, but the material took a long time to get used to. So the etchings are black and white, and the look of the marks is very sort of liquid and gestural. Yeah. But that's a bit of a illusion because of all the steps required to get it to a sheet of paper. Right, or you can brush away and, and um, you can see the ghost of the brushstroke. The approach has to do with painting on sheets of mylar and then creating, photographically creating copper plates. Is that right? Right, yeah. Which then print Mm -hmm. on the paper. I mean, you mentioned ideas for subjects. Is there a thematic thread that runs through them for you? I think that they were ideas that that I had for paintings. And I sort of thought about them kind of thematically. I guess they're in the way that in the way that I would think about paintings thematically, really loosely, I don't know. In some of them, I, f- I felt like their their heads could be like palettes, or they're not a happy group. I guess <laughs> that's a, that's the best I could say. For- I think three of them. <laughs> maybe I'm counting wrong, but in my memory, three of them are directly connected with paintings in your yeah exhibition. Yeah. Three of them do relate to paintings that are that were made afterwards. I had the idea for the painting and, and sort of was working it out in the print. And it, 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 I feel like the painting is totally different from the print, just because materially it's so it's like a different. Well, how do you how do you see print? I mean, it's a kind of general question, but it's something I'm really curious about because of my own interest in it. But how do you see printmaking? 
in relationship to painting and drawing? You know, well, especially with these, and and I guess with the monotypes too. It, I feel like there's maybe more process that's involved, or more process is evident, or I feel more open to having the process show. I think. Do you feel like the process of making etchings is driving the appearance of the art in a way that's different from with painting? Maybe more with the monotypes, I think. With earlier paintings that I was making, it was, I would, I think, approach the paintings differently because I was making the prints. How about with, with you? It, do you feel like it... It's all different relationships. I mean, sometimes I feel like my printmaking is... Ever since I started printmaking, this has been true, that sometimes it's out ahead of my paintings in some sense. Sometimes it's a way to reflect on things I've made. Sometimes right. it's a parallel mm-hmm. train of thought that never really crosses over into my paintings. It's all different things. Yeah. But I do feel strongly that the, the procedures and the materiality of printmaking have had a big effect on what I could imagine things can look like. When you started making the, the women paintings, did you start with those with the prints or with, with... I actually started doing most of the research for those here, doing monotypes. Really? Because I was too freaked out by the idea of... I didn't have a clue how to make them as paintings. Right. You know, one of the things I really like about working in a print studio when the relationships are solid is this sense of having enablers all around you Right. To expedite your dreams and to give you encouragement. Uh Yeah, I think the kind of printmaking you and I have been fortunate to be offered, you know, the opportunity to do this is quite different from printmaking as studied in art school if you're a quote-unquote printmaking major or something like that. I assume it's the same for you, but although I may be wrong, I couldn't make an etching or a lithograph to save my life right. without yeah. these folks to help me. Yeah, yeah. So that's a totally different way to be working. Right. I haven't been to your studio, but I assume you largely work alone and that right. you're struggling with those big paintings all by yourself. Yeah. That's what it appears. Same for me. So coming to a print studio can feel like a huge relief. Right. You're around people, you get all this information <laughs> from people who are at lunch, people talking. But also, it's, it's really nice here because you can work and you, you're kind of on your own. And then, the, I don't know, it just feels like everything is sort of there for you. You don't feel like someone's over your shoulder. And then it, Well, this project know. feels like a real... I haven't seen all of your print work, but this, to me, feels like a huge step into printmaking. Yeah. I mean, it's a very, as I said at the beginning, it's a very ambitious project. Right. And it feels totally in discourse with your paintings, but also very much itself. Yeah. Do you see this as one thing or as 10 different prints? Does it have a t- like a title the way portfolios do? I think it's just side A or, or like a tape, mm. <laughs> sort of like this. I thought maybe I could make another group that could be like B. But I see them individually, you know, you sort of think like how they could work as a group, but more visually, I think, like how it, you know, if they have a kind of rhythm or... I found back when I was first doing printmaking that it forced me to sort of 
cut the shit with myself a little bit. I mean, a gesture made on a canvas or even on a piece of paper that has this sort of magical quality of a, of a captured moment right. starts to be this kind of repeated, you know, there's a, there can be a deadening quality. Right. Which I think is one of the things that puts a lot of people off. Right. I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that most people in the current iteration of the art world don't even have any idea how to look at prints. Mm-hmm. They don't even know what, they literally don't even understand what they're looking at. Right, right. I don't know that you have to know about mylars and toner and photogravure in order to get pleasure from your prints. I mean, right. I, don't, I certainly don't think it hurts to know those things. But there is something about the way prints are categorized in the group mind mm-hmm. that's dismissive. Right, yeah. Have you had, do you have that observation too? Yeah, I think that there's a, just in the past, I think people, because they think that prints are, although not so much recently, I don't think. It would be wonderful not if it would artists. change. No, I don't think it's true of artists. Yeah, it's more like with, I think, dealers maybe, or they're like, well, I don't know what to do with prints. Yeah, I've had that conversation with every art gallery I work with. Yeah, and they kind of don't care or something. Like, they're like, oh, I don't know what to, you know, they like that they're there. I think, and or they really like the monotypes, but I think that they're kind of like, well, you know, we don't know exactly how to work. I don't think it's it's generally understood how to even talk about it. Right, yeah. So prints in this group that are directly connected to the paintings in your show, you did the prints first? Yeah. Did you think when you made them, did you kind of have in the back of your mind that you were going to make big paintings around the same subject matter? Yeah, I thought I wanted to to do that. But I, I think with these, I, I think in the past, or with the monotypes, I thought that the, that the prints would sort of really inform the paintings. But with this, I thought, well, these would just be very separate, like really different. Because I think the way I was thinking about the paintings was a, a different way of approaching the paintings. I feel that when I look at the show. It's an amazing... Uh, you really showed up. Oh, hey, I mean, thanks, thanks. <laughs> it's an amazing uh, group of paintings and, and sculptures, which we'll talk about. But I felt like there was a sort of consolidation of your position of what painting is to you, but also a real opening up of possibilities. Oh, thanks. Size-wise and scale-wise, and in terms of the kind of range of subjects that you were taking on. How long were you working on all those things? About a year. And it it felt really good working on the paintings. I didn't know um, they would work together, <laughs> you know, or how it would all. Um, but, yeah, I think I wanted them to be more, to, to be denser or just, if you know, I think that there was more of a buildup, I, I, I think, of, of the surface and... and um, I was talking with someone at your gallery when I was looking at the show recently, and they seem to think that you have titles in your mind before you start yeah. working on paintings. Is that actually the case? That is true. I have like a list of thoughts that could be a painting or not. And then I assume that the in the event of making the painting, I mean, you can't, like that enormous painting mountain group that's in your show which is 10 by 
14 feet or something. I mean, it's a very large painting. Yeah. Those words could be in your mind and lead to quite different results. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I know that sounds I, kind of No, like but it's very interesting to me because it's so opposite to the way I think. Yeah. I mean... Uh, do you have titles for? Yeah, but I only think about them after I am spending after I'm living with the paintings. Yeah. And they tend to be quite. I mean, I'm very interested in the. This sounds pretentious, but I don't know whether a word to use the kind of poetry of titles, right? Because language is so important to how we're able to even form thoughts, right? And I untitled it represents a, which I've I've made plenty of untitled paintings, but it always represents a bit of a defeat. To me, yeah. like I feel like I should be able to come up with something that has is resonant and and also descriptive. Yeah, but it's quite different from the way, from what you're describing. Yeah, I mean that painting. I I'm particularly interested in asking you about Mountain Group because it seems to have such a dense narrative embedded in it somehow, but you really can't. You can't really explicate it. I mean, I would have a lot of trouble. Oh, it's a painting about X. Yeah. It's a bunch of, like, hapless-looking people stuck on some mountain, and there's a girl drawing and all this. You could unpack it a million different ways, narratively. So I take it as sort of a given that your sense of narrative is pretty associative and yeah. approximate. I know that's been less true. I mean, you've done paintings that had a clear subject. Yeah. But that didn't feel so much the case here. I think initially that that I thought about this group that was going to be pointing at each other and all elements of the painting and like the clouds and the side of the painting, like kind of defining the scene from the inside. Um, but then it didn't, that didn't seem interesting after a while. And then... And there's a little bit of that there, but then I, I thought, well, it could just be all about there's maybe one dominant figure, and they're all sort of trying to. Did you know push there would be a giant figure. owl or whatever that thing is with those huge eyeballs? Well, and... I didn't know he'd be like a puppet. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought he could look demonic and or something, but he doesn't really look demonic, I think, now. It looks more yeah. like those inflatable car. It looks big. <laughs> what about the girl, the girl painting or drawing? I mean, that's repeated in your... Yeah. There's that painting, and then there's the actual painting of the woman painting. Yeah, I thought she could just be, like, trying to paint the scene but missing the scene, like painting the mountain from the distance, from, it, like, an idea of a mountain or how you would see a mountain from miles away, but nothing that's actually happening on the mountain, like missing the picture Yeah, <laughs> totally. But that seemed very real to me. I mean, the idea that you're f- zeroed in on what you're working on when all of this crazy stuff is going on right in front of you right? seems very, I don't know, real. You think about history being carved into mountains like Rushmore mm-hmm. or things like that. But if it was more like ants on an apple or things are changing and not not able to be captured in the, in that moment. I look at your paintings as things that are kind of found through being made. Yeah. That's why I was so struck by this idea that your titles pre-exist the 
the yeah. actual pictures. And then I realized, like, a lot of times, I think I, like, when I walked into the show, the first thing I saw was that painting of the woman painting in an earthquake. I thought what I was looking at was some weird, chaotic scene at a gym. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Like, the, and that, <laughs> that round form at the bottom, I thought was a, one of those gym balls that like you used to work ball. out. And the woman's wearing these super tight pants and that crop top. And, and then I walked around and I saw the painting of the treadmill. And yeah. I thought, oh, okay, so I'm right. It's like There's an exercise. exercise theme. <laughs> There's something going on here about exercise. Yeah. And then I was looking at the, at the paintings with Jason at the gallery, and he said, well, it's, you know, it's actually a painting of a woman painting. But then I was sort of embarrassed but at the same the time, pants. I think it's those. Jazz those are some pants. pretty tight red pants, and they're like performance pants. Yeah, but then there is that painting of the person on the treadmill. Yeah, which has an amazing moment with that blank TV screen. Oh, which is so different from anything I remember seeing in your paintings. This, yeah, just this flat, hard shape. Just that, nothing. Like that functions yeah. narratively, but yeah. is just there. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that would be sort of like a, almost like a brain-dead digital glow. Or I, Well, I wanted it to be like a woman, just sort of moment where you, you could try to escape your body, but you, you can't, you know, or you're, you're sort of falling into yourself. Or just almost like brain-dead, you know, mm-hmm. and... Um, it was a decision. It was. It would have been way worse. I was, because you know you've been to the gym, and you watch a lot of garbage on the TVs and guilty on both. Yeah. Counts. <laughs> so you always like watch survive. It's always survival programs. Like you're always watching like Naked and Afraid and like running <laughs> for your life. You know. But I, I, I thought also it would be watch better a blank. lot of. <laughs> like, I also watch a lot of TED talks on YouTube. So I was. Yeah. That that <laughs> seems to be another subject for you. Right. Yeah, I think that that's. Do you listen to them in the studio, like when you're? Mm, no, uh, yeah. As a, I watch TV when I'm taking a break from painting. Yeah. I don't listen to music or anything. I listen to podcasts sometimes when I'm working, but mostly I listen to nothing. That's amazing. And then when I, that's great. Am going crazy? I stop and I go watch twenty minutes of television. Yeah. Then I go back. So. I get an embarrassing amount of television watched. Right. And manage to be fairly productive at the same time. Yeah. But that pain, you know, I... That's I, a great thing to... I, I thought about that, that I knew you worked in silence somehow. Hmm. Uh, somehow, I, I don't know if I read that somewhere. Or, Everyone thinks you... Uh, it's like one of the weirdest, most common questions of... Particularly people who work by themselves. It's like, what, do you, what kind of music do you listen to? Yeah. So I'm aware that it's, you know, that I don't, because people yeah. have asked me. Yeah. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I've actually recently thought about trying to do that, because I have been having a, I'll waste an enormous amount of time trying to make a decision. <laughs> about like, what to listen, what to, to, listen to, or like, yeah. which is that's how I, sad, because I should be. <laughs> for me, it's like, what what show am I starting on on. Apple TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I wanted to say, I, I feel in a way like it kind of, it's very difficult not to just keep asking you about the subjects of your paintings because that level of them is so, 
is so rich and so sort of multivalent. But I, I also feel like it diminishes them in a way. You know, like it's very clear to me looking at your work that, as I said before, you're finding them by painting them. Mm -hmm. They're not in any way illustrational right. of, of a pre-existing image. Right. So... Oh, that's good. <laughs> this this <laughs> reciprocity between, you know, you have your title in your mind, maybe some twinkle in your eye about, you know, some idea about what the painting is, quote unquote, depicting. Yeah. But then you have to kind of turn yourself loose. I think sometimes if there's an idea, it tends to be something that is pretty abstract or, or open in the beginning. Like I thought of the subject of trouble and appearance. And that was actually just sort of thinking about... Well, that's an amazing one to mention because the painting is so wild. Oh, thanks. It's a, an apparently embodied human next to an apparently disembodied spirit, right. ghost, yeah. shade of some kind. Is that, how you, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's sort of like, how do you... I, th I think it was like in bed... But yeah, I was just sort of having this feeling, and I was like, God, what is this feeling? I just thought that there's this, this different, I don't know if it's concept of yourself, but your felt reality, and then how it's maybe very different from how everything else is you, you are, or something, or seen, or something. So it's like, so I was thinking about like, well, how how do you begin? I think it's like everything in the world is probably like this, and it's like, how do you? describe these two things as possibly separate or something. Like one is the, very material and then one is somehow image. And so I thought about well, there's like a really physical figure or something. And then there's a figure that's almost like a human windshield or this horrible thing that just floats in front of you that you see the world through, that the world sees you through, that you, you it's there all the time. I think a lot about the the idea that we're making physical stuff. And paintings are weird because they're, at least as I think about them, and I think obviously you do too, they're extremely physical. And at the same time, there's this magic thing that happens when you look at a painting where you're kind of seeing through the surface to some there's some fictive aspect yeah. of looking at a painting. I mean, that, and that's, I guess, earlier in modernism, the idea of paintings as objects was kind of in vogue, and, and that needed to be worked through. But your paintings have images, stories, associations that someone who's looking at them would have and that you have, on top of the fact that they're these intensely physical objects. To me, it's, it's, it's very analogous. To, I mean, I kind of think about like there are two of everything. You know, right. there's a... Yeah, yeah. The perceived thing, like I'm staring at Dana. Right. And then, and then there's your experience of Dana, which I can't ever know. And we're all navigating this all the time. Right. So when I saw that painting, I kind of thought in some way it had to do with that. You know, you don't know if things are going to really communicate or... And then I'm okay if they communicate differently, too. I think then there's questions, too, of like, well, then what is this figure? I thought, oh, he's a salesman. 
because it seems they deal with objects or something, Mm -hmm. you know, or this like trudging around carrying stuff. You know what I wanted to ask you about was that painting, it's called The Visible World. Seems a good segue from what we're talking about. I just, I just love that painting. It's of great interest to me because the, the main element in the motif is a naked human woman sprawled out on a rock, but at, at, I mean, that painting is nine feet tall and almost 12 feet wide. That's a very, again, a very big painting. I found when I was a kid, one of the most terrifying myths that I ever encountered was the one about Prometheus being chained to the rock and having his liver eaten by vultures. Oh, that's terrifying, yeah. I thought about it when I looked at that painting. That one, once I got this little bit of information that you have a list of titles that you're working from, I really did wonder about the relationship between, it's called The Visible World. Right. How that title, if you can even talk about this, led you to that picture. I think it was similar in the way when you start to think about how to, like a figure inhabiting image or trapped inside image. I was thinking about that Corbet painting in the in the Met. It's like very prominent, the mm-hmm. one where she's trying to catch a pair. Yeah, sure, sure. She's falling out of the painting. I've looked at it quite a bit. Isn't that a great painting? Yes, it it's is. Such a great painting, and um, and it's so unstable, like she's falling. And but I always think about these birds as these moments in painting, like a parrot. It's almost like a painting within a painting. So it's almost like trying to catch. Well, I've the I've gotten a lot of encouragement in my own interests from that painting and from other paintings of his. Yeah. And uh, you use birds. Yeah, all, that's yeah. well uh, yeah, sure. And that that's was something that I of course noted in the in your painting. I cuz birds are a strange familiar yet totally unfamiliar element in the animal world. Yeah. They fly, we don't. Mhm. They seem really stupid, but then it turns out some of them are really, really smart. Yeah, yeah, kind of reptilian. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and they are probably in some way very close to dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Yours look especially very prehistoric. Do you, do you see them as narrat- narrators or, or? More like, uh, you know, what's the term? Omens? Greek Greek chorus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like kind of witnesses yeah. more than anything. Right, right. And also a way to figure out how to put big, simple, dark shapes in the painting. Because I, I think about all the time this, when I was younger, I didn't foresee a time when I would be making paintings filled with nameable subjects. Yeah. Uh, however I arrived at them, I never foresaw that. I was in this, uh, doing this kind of bait and switch with myself for a long time, and I saw myself as part of the tradition of abstract painting within modern art. And then I kept problematizing that with elements from signage from human bodies or from things you could name. Yeah. But they were never really... I never ever until 10 years ago thought that I was addressing directly any idea of quote-unquote figurative painting. Right, right. Now I have to accept that I am. Yeah. This traveling back and forth between, 
I mean, language is pretty inadequate to this, which is why it's so much easier to talk about subject matter than right. actually what right. the phenomenology of the thing in front of you is. Yeah. You know, going back and forth between shapes and lines and nameable subjects, right. and somehow these things are all interweaving and... It's like a dark it, shape that's in the sky. Yeah. Like with no gravity. Yeah, yeah and it, exactly. Like and it's, it, it, it's either deeper or closer, and it imparts a kind of axial twist to things. And, yeah, yeah. But that painting, The Visible World, which is super dark, literally. I mean, I'm not saying... Right. Metaphorically, I'm saying it's a dark painting with a light green bird and a naked white woman on a rock. It definitely has a particular atmosphere. I mean, it feels sort of like there's a volcano about to explode under her or something. I myself have a hard time with this, so I'm asking you something I'm not really clear about myself, but do you have any understanding of what the events in the world are doing to your imaginative capacities as a yeah. as an artist <laughs> i don't know i mean you, you i think that you uh, it's not one to one i'm so upset donald trump got elected no, that i'm no. making dark paintings no i mean i yeah, would consider yeah. that an insulting projection yeah but go about it slightly differently like the Review that Peter Sheldahl wrote of your show in The New Yorker, which was very positive and, you know, pretty interesting exegesis of your work in a certain way, starts out with this notion, it was sort of like throwing out this question about the efficacy of painting. Right, with the world. To be, what, I don't know what word he used, relevant or, Uh you know. yeah. What did you think about that when you read that? Because I really, I, that I really know. stuck. It, I really st- got stuck there. I got stuck there too. I kept on going because I, um, I couldn't quite tell if he meant like. I think I think he really believes in art and and is very much for art, but it's also this question of like, well, I couldn't tell if it was in a way. Not like a dig, but kind of like, well, almost like, well, what, what good is art or something? Yeah, I thought there was an element of that. I mean, Which I, I feel like you get that a lot in, now, but mostly from young activists, I think. <laughs> or young, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's as though we're meant to think that things in the world are so real, quote unquote, yeah, yeah. and so bad right. that... There's some question about whether artists are up to the task of really delivering the goods around these urgent existential problems. But I read that and I thought, this is as much on whoever's looking at art and explaining it as it is on artists. Yeah. I I mean, you got to do some work here, people. What? You know, you want paintings of... Donald Trump looking like a pig or whatever. Right, I mean, yeah. I'm sure someone's making those. Right. But that isn't I don't know necessarily. if it does I kind of always felt this way that I feel like when something is somehow hits in the wrong way or is a failure <laughs> is sometimes when, I don't know if it's always on the art, you know, I think that it, it has to do with how things hit in the world and 
you have had a particularly vivid experience of the kind of reductive political thinking that is around. I'm not even, I'm, you've been on record about that stuff at the Whitney. I'm not even really interested in asking right, you right, about right. it, except that it does seem to me that, I mean, again, this can only be my projection onto your perceived activities, but it occurred to me when I was looking at your show and when I was thinking about these etchings and thinking about what I know you've done since that happened, that there was a, that the experience, however horrible, could have had an extremely bracing and galvanizing effect on your willingness to go there in your paintings. Maybe, because you sort of feel like, well, what's the worst? All of, I, at that point, I just felt like, well, I, ju- I just want to like the paintings. Like, there was, that was all. Like, mm. I was like, I don't even give. I mean, this is going to sound too... I, this is a hard thing because I'm really conscious of I don't want to sound defiant or, you know what I mean? I don't want to yeah. sound... Well, you're it, damned if you do and you're damned if yeah, you Yeah, so. but I mean, like, to be honest with the whole thing, I mean, it was really... It changed how I think about things, mainly because I just started to feel... I mean, I've just never had the experience where you think about one painting for a year. None, but of, us, also, none like, of us have had that experience. You're the only person who's had that experience. It's very... And, and awful, maybe a terrible painting. I mean, I don't think that the painting is terrible, um, but I, some days I do. Like sure. Some, yeah. Sometimes I think it's like the, the worst. And, or you think like, God, maybe I'm like really evil, like this horrible person. But I also had this sympathy for, I think, a lot of people in public life for creeps, but also for, you know, for, for well, we're protesters, living in a, you, anybody who's in the, put themselves I, in the public. I think artists are not subjected to the kind of, no matter how much trouble you got in, you're not going to end up on the cover of In Touch magazine. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I know, like, it's not <laughs> that bad, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, the kind of stuff that really famous people Jesus are Christ, so... Jesus Christ, I couldn't and, uh, Even if they're famous for a day and a half, it doesn't matter because that, that machine... Yeah, I've lived through this with my daughter. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it is a, a terrifying landscape... When you and you can't help it if you put yourself out there. I mean, I have had my work reviewed by the Breitbart website. Oh my God! Because of evidence of the fact that I, you know, how could my daughter not be a hateful pervert if the person (laughs) that made these paintings is her father? Yeah. So I, and you know, I, I can laugh about it, but it's also, and it was nothing like the the degree of aggressive opprobrium that you experienced. And I'm not trying to say that these things are equal because the racial issues in the United States are the, like, truly the the third rail. I mean, none of us knows how to talk about them. Yeah. You know, most people we know are good, solid liberals with progressive views, and we're still stuck in this hideous loop that will take a long time to get right, out of. Right, right, right. The possibility to have insults and just crap heaped on you are so endless in our present cultural setup. Right. And I think when I was a young artist, the worst thing that could happen to you is a bad review in art forum, you know? 
Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, we've, come yeah, a, yeah. we've come a long way since that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't regret. I mean, that's the, the thing is, I think the whole thing I'm kind of grateful for in a weird way. I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I really am. I mean, I just had like conversations with people and I feel embarrassed because, you know, in the Times I said something and it was, they took out the whole first part of it. So it made it sound like I was saying something that I wasn't quite saying, but like, I don't ever paint for a general audience. I probably, you probably don't, you know, no, art, no artist who's any, I, no, no, I mean, the, you the, can't, I mean, so you, there you is can, no general audience. I don't even like to hear kids in art school refer to, to audience. Yeah. the viewer. I don't even deal with that concept right. when I'm working. And I don't think we know who the audience for our right. work is really. Right. It's part of the the necessary condition, and particularly of being alone in a big room making paintings. Right. You have to, in some ways, I mean, you can kind of, I mean, I talk to dead people in my head. That's and, what I'm you talking know. about. You, you could have imagined, like people he either you've met or not met, but it's always a person. I thought about the Till family when I made that painting, you know, like the, his mom, but I couldn't think about a general audience, even though I'd never met her. So that was what I meant, was that I had so many conversations with people who were upset. That changes how you see things, but that's just in the normal way that well, I think any it's, conversation with people changes how you see yeah, things. Yeah, and I think it's one thing, again, it's one thing to upset some kid that's at a lecture you're giving, and it's another thing to upset, or, you know, the entire uh, cultural police force, you know. That's a different, and I don't mean to sound snide, I suppose my perception of the whole thing is leaking through the way I'm talking about it. I don't mean to presume that I know anything about it. You know, they'd be teaching and they'll say like, oh, I, and I like ask them, I said, why do you make art? A lot of people would say like, oh, I make art for my community or I make, like as a way to almost better, better the community. I guess, you know, that is admirable if that's their goal, but I could never do that. I would never I think those are different ambitions. I think they're different. And every and th this stuff is very confused right now because there's a there's a a very necessary corrective in in progress. Yeah. When I was a young artist and you know learning about art history and trying to figure out where I fit in it, mm -hmm. my position as a straight white male from a fairly upper middle class background that did not. Fact, the only way that factored in is that I and my friends thought we were real badasses because we weren't going to become lawyers. We were mm -hmm. going to be artists. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that I occupied a position of particular, to use the term of the moment, privilege, it literally never occurred to me. Yeah. That needed to change. And the the... Groups of people that were closed out of the art world. I mean, it's appalling when I think yeah, back about yeah. it. What the, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. I mean, it just, it's gradually changed. And now we're at a some sort of inflection point, I think, where a lot of different kinds of people are being taken seriously. And it's really, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, I, I want to ask you, though, I want to get away from yeah. I, identity <laughs> issues. I really want to ask you about your sculptures before we finish. Oh, yeah. Um, because they were surprising. I liked them a lot. I was very surprised 
and then I wasn't, that you made sculptures. As far as I can recall, there's only one sculpture which is directly, from a subject point of view, directly, uh, which is, is it Washing Monsters? Is that the, is a painting? Yeah, yeah there's the painting. And a sculpture yeah. that are They're, close. Right. You could make a life study of this, of this, the subset of, modernist painters and postmodernist, whatever we call recent people who have made, whose primary activity has been painting and have wanted to make sculpture yeah. with varying degrees of success. Right. Is this something you've been working on privately for any period of no, time? No, I always wanted to, but then I think I was, I didn't know how to begin. Like I just thought, oh, well, what kind of material would you use? I, I didn't like the idea of them being cast initially because I thought, oh, maybe that's too stuffy. And then, and then you think, well, what are you going to use? And my, my husband's a sculptor, and he just said, just, just use clay. Just make it. And if they're any good, then maybe you could cast one. You know, he's really into bronze. Like, he mm -hmm. really likes bronze and thinks it's beautiful. And I think bronze is one of those materials like oil paint that is ubiquitous for a reason yeah i mean it it is good at what it does yeah, yeah. and it's soft it's malleable and it, it compared to other so you made metal. them out of plasticine or some some kind yeah, of yeah just water clay mm. so just regular water clay first i like would sort of made a drawing of like what maybe could be a sculpture and i think that was different like because with the paintings i'll have like an idea and then Think, oh, how could this be a painting, you know, like a phrase or, or a, maybe a rough idea of something that could be a subject. But then with sculpture, it was, they were very different because I knew they were going to be sculptures. So I just started, like, I would stack things on top of things because that's what you do with objects or something. Yeah. You know, or like, is there, I mean, there has to be an armature in there in some way, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. So the, that was the biggest thing because then Ryan, my husband, made, the armatures based on the drawings and then it was really fun then you just like cover it with clay and it felt really open and I didn't know if they were going to be really bad I kind of was like oh I wonder what sculptors will think of this some of my best friends are sculptors yeah and uh it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting thing because I and I acknowledge this like I I have made efforts at sculpture a couple of different times I mean, I feel like, for better or worse, I really th rethought my... I thought about painting from the ground up mm -hmm. when I started to figure it out. Right. And I feel as though my my understanding of what's at stake is pretty complex at this point. Right. And with sculpture, it's more of this kind of amorphous urge to see a thing instead of... It could right. almost be could almost be I am so sick of smearing color on big pieces of fabric. Yeah. I want something different. Yeah. But I know that I'm probably not really capable of bringing I mean I suppose this is what's so extraordinary about Picasso's sculpture is that he actually thought about it or rethought it in as fundamental a way as he did painting. Yeah. But very few of us are given that opening. Right, right. When you start a painting, do you draw a box first? 
Well, I make notebooks where I have a little bo- – I make little uh, thumbnail drawings yeah. that are framed out. And, do, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll sort of try to do that enough so I can figure out proportions. Right. Because when I order stretchers, I, I spend a lot of time pondering the ratio of height to width. Right, right, yeah. Sometimes my thumbnails are actually a pretty good map of what's going to happen, and sometimes they have no relationship. Right, yeah. But when you make sculptures, then how do you... I wouldn't even dignify what I'm doing with the, by trying to talk about it as a practice. Uh-huh. The first pass I made at sculptures that were in any way successful for me originated here at Two Palms, actually. They, they kind of plopped out of a process we were involved with to make wood engravings. And that ended up leading me into the idea of cutting shapes out of metal. Yeah. And we, we went from there. But what was unsatisfying to me was I realized afterwards I didn't like working with fabricators. I don't like not having my hands on the things. Right. And I also don't like requiring people to back me up with money in order to make my right. work. Right, yeah. So more recently, I've been trying to think about ways to work that I can just do on my own in my studio. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved clay when I was a kid. I mean, and even when I was in school and I was starting to think about being an artist, I thought of myself much more likely to make things than I did pictures. Yeah. Have you been using clay in the studio? Yeah, but not, not like I've made about... 10 things that are something. Yeah. Right now, they're still really for me. I've shown a few people what they look like when they come to my studio. Yeah. I'm not thinking about casting. I'm not, I'm, I found this clay that gets hard as a rock drying in air. So I don't even want to be thinking about finding a kiln. Right. Or, you know, Isn't in a parallel epoxy? life, I sort of wish... I had studied ceramics when I was younger because I think it's such an amazing technology. Yeah, yeah. It connects up with painting in such interesting ways because of glazes and different things you can do. But. Right, yeah. No, your sculptures, what I, what I thought was striking about them was that they are completely old school in terms of their technology. Yeah. And it sort of puts you right up against their formal and and subject matter qualities. The choice of the patina was interesting to me because it was, first, I didn't even really know if they were bronze. I thought they could have been, I don't know, cast steel or iron or something. Right. They have this sort of gray yeah. quality that I thought was beautiful. That was um, silver nitrate. And then it's amazing because you can sort of buff it off and so you can see the bronze coming yeah, through. Yeah, it's a beautiful surface. Yeah, it was, I thought it felt closer to the clay or something. It felt, it sort of looks like graphite sometimes, but it's sort of... Yeah. You know, there was an exhibition here in New York a few years ago of Max Ernst's sculpture, which I didn't really know. I mean, I knew about a couple of the greatest hits of Max Ernst's sculpture, but I didn't realize how much of it he had done over the years. Mm-hmm. And he and, and Picasso actually said this too. I, I mean, I'm not quoting directly, but the gist of it was that sculpture is a great way to think about painting. Yeah. And I thought about that when I was looking at your things because they're completely understandable in terms of the technology and physically what they are. Right. 
But did you see it as a, I mean, there's that one we mentioned a minute ago, whose subject area is directly connected to one of the paintings. But do you see those things as a way to muse about your own paintings from a different angle, or are they more of a separate? I think that they could feel connected. Or I, I was thinking about the subjects differently. Maybe the perimeter of, of the subjects felt more organic. Maybe I just thought like there's more leeway in terms of what they could be. Because with sculpture, you could just keep building and then or yeah, adding onto the armature. And, and, there, and there's no um, rectangle. Yeah, there's no framing edge. So it could just, it, it, it kind of has its own tension, I guess, within the room or within the viewer. I, I, I don't know. I, I really loved it. And I kind of felt like that I had wished that I had done it before. But this must have been the right time. Do it more now. Yeah, I just felt like this is this felt good. I mean, and it was also very open. I didn't know if they were. I, I guess I didn't care so much. I just thought that they were. I'd see how they were. You know, I didn't have to cast them. Yeah, that's nice. I think and I could it's, get better. <laughs> seemed to. Yeah, I, I'm sure they will. It's a very rich kind of new dimension to what you're doing. I, I liked. Uh, the fact that it was so seriously, I mean, there was no way to get, even to physically get in front of most of your paintings without passing through that room. Yeah. And I thought that was a very nice statement of intent. Yeah, they kind of were a, maybe a physical impediment to the show or something. Yeah. You do them, you should just put a lot of pressure on them. Even that was interesting, though. That passage, I felt like really set a tone. And then you had to leave through it, too. Between Two Palms is produced and recorded in New York City. Music performed by Arthur Lipner. Follow us on Instagram at Two Palms NY and visit our website, twopalms.us. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.